Pray with me. Father, we come to you today with great gratitude for all of your goodness. And we, we say with our choir and our orchestra and with our souls, our eternal King, your majesty, your royal highness, you are not our hobby. You are our King. And because you are our King, we live for your pleasure alone. And when you say go, we go. And when you say no, we stop, Lord, because our lives are not about us, but about you. Because you gave your life for us. We commit ourselves on the dawn of a new year to give ourselves fully to you in great gratitude and praise. And we will live our lives for your glory alone because you have given us such great grace in Jesus Christ our Lord. We give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Good morning. God is good all the time. I am so glad I didn't miss this. So glad I didn't miss the chance to be with you today and serve this amazing God and sing together with you. And the truth is, I see all of you every week, but you don't all see each other every week. And it's good every once in a while for all of us to see each other. And if you ask me, why are we here at this time? Why? And my, my answer to you um, really relates to a thought that came to me over the holidays when I just one day woke up and said to myself, I am living my dream. I am getting to do what I always wanted to do with people whom I love to serve with. I I am doing what I believe God made me to do. Now, feel free to disagree. I mean, some of you may say, yeah, that's not it, really. (laughs) Um, You you know, maybe you thought I was supposed to be like um, an NFL defensive lineman like J.J. Watt. You know, I'm not seeing it, but maybe maybe you see that or an, an opera singer. And I think a couple hundred people behind me would say, yeah, that's not it. Um, or um, a politician, or a basketball coach for seventh grade girls. But I think yesterday I proved once again, that's not it. <laughs> that, that's not my calling. I'm doing the best I can, and the best I can, d- d- it was not good enough yesterday. It just was not. It wasn't their fault, my fault. Um, but I love the, the old Phillips, uh, Craig and Dean song, This is the Life. I'm where I want to be, living from the center of a soul set free. And day or night, rain or shine, this is the life. And it is so good to know why we are here. You remember, some of you remember that movie, Chariots of Fire, won Academy Awards about Eric Little, the the, the Olympic sprinter from Scotland. He was also a preacher. He went as a missionary to China after the 1924 Olympics. But there's a moment when a sister of his says to him, why are you wasting your time running when you could be preaching in China? 
And his answer to her, I think, is timeless. I just want you to watch it with me this morning. Uh, some of our kids, some of my kids had not seen the movie Chariots of Fire. I believe that God made me for a purpose, for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Did you hear that? God made me for a purpose, for China. And that's the way he spent his life, and that's where he died. But he said, God also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I came this morning to ask you, when do you feel his pleasure? When is it in your life that you say, this is it. This is what I was made for. And my answer to that question is unquestionably worship. When I worship God by myself, running along the bayou, or in a room with you, singing songs and praying and opening God's word, this is what I know. I was made for this, and if I might be so bold this morning, so were all of you. And you worship something or someone, and my contention is it ought to be God, that he deserves our best and our most and our highest, as Oswald Chambers said, my utmost for his highest, and I will live for his glory alone. And life is about God. It's either about God or it's about us. And I'm telling you, it's about God. And in view of that, I want to point you this morning to how we can live our lives doxologically. That is, as a doxology, giving praise and glory to God alone, not just one hour a week, but every second of every minute of every day of our lives. If you're in with me, let's stand together and uh, open God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. First couple verses going to sound a lot like, um, like 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 13 through 18 that we read last week. Don't worry, I'm not going to be redundant or repeat myself. I'm just... I'm just going to start there and take us one more step. When Paul says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. That's where we left off last week. And this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed Day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen 
is eternal. You may be seated. So if you were the Apostle Paul and you started churches all over the world and you proclaimed God's power and you saw God do amazing, amazing miracles, would you ever, would you ever just for a moment stop and think, yes, yeah, some of this is about me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really Something, But the Apostle Paul had, had gotten completely over himself. So imagine his surprise when he discovers that the church at Corinth, or at least some of the people, think that he thinks it's about him. This church that has its teams and divides up over this and that, and some of them like Peter, and some of them like Paul, and some of them like Apollos, and some of them say, I just like Jesus, and they're all divided over this and that, and they're taking each other to court, and they're living in immorality, and they're fighting with each other at the Lord's Supper, if you can believe that. And so he writes them the first letter, and they still don't get it right, and he writes them a second letter. Usually, if you get a second letter in the Bible, that means you didn't get it right with the first letter. And so in the second letter, he's writing to them and he's telling them he loves them and he's telling them how much he cares for them and he's trying to tell them God's purpose for their lives. And then it occurs to him that some of them think that he thinks it's about him. And he says in verse 5 of chapter 4, we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus and we preach his grace and we preach his grace because that grace is going to reach more and more and more people. And more and more and more people are going to give God more and more thanks and gratitude. And that's going to result in more and more glory for God. And that's why we live in this world. To give more and more glory to God. And the Apostle Paul writes this right in the center of a section about suffering. And he talks about all that he's endured and how God has sustained him through that. And, and later in the letter, he's going to say, it's, it's God's grace that has sustained me through that. And what you see him doing is, is talking about God's grace on the one hand and God's glory on the other hand. And I think Eugene Peterson hits a home run with this one when he says at the beginning of this section, and we're not going to stop talking about this. And we're not going to be quiet about God's grace. And he comes to this crescendo in verse 15 when he talks about God's grace and he says, more and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. And if you ask me about what 2013 ought to look like for Tallywood Baptist Church, I think you can get it right there in that little expression. More and more grace. More and more people. More and more glory for our God because he is the God of glorious grace. And I'll tell you about us, Tallywood. We all got here the same way. We enter by grace or we don't get in at all. This is Paul's consistent message. It's why he says in Romans chapter 5, he, he says to them, it's God's grace and it's through Christ that we have access to his grace. And that's why in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus. And I want us to be 
a good news kind of church. And Paul's life was all wrapped up in the gospel and he preached about the crucifixion and the resurrection because he knew that that story of God's unmerited favor was the only way that anybody anywhere would ever get in. And we will never tire of talking about God's grace because it is God's grace that has saved us. And some will say, no, the great act in the world sort of commemorated in our top window up there, the picture of creation is that God made something out of nothing. I love Soren Kierkegaard. He said, you think that's something. God made something out of nothing. I'll tell you something greater. He made saints out of sinners. Now that is something. Um, J.I. Packer, who my youngest son loves to read these days, J.I. Packer says Jesus Christ did not come into the world to make bad people good. He came into the world to make dead people live. And you and I are those people. And so we talk and we sing and we never tire of God's saving grace. And let me just go one step further because Paul does in chapter 12 when he says, and the same grace that saves us is the same grace that sustains us. Have you found that to be true? So in verses 16 and 17, he says, you know, outwardly we're wasting away. Some of you know what that's like up close and personal and if you don't yet someday you will outwardly wasting away but Paul says inwardly we're being renewed every day because Paul didn't just preach the crucifixion he also preached the resurrection. Brian Harbour tells about a church in Czechoslovakia after the fall of the Iron Curtain and they couldn't find a building in which to meet and they were turned away at every quarter. They were turned away and finally somebody said, well, there is that old building in the middle of that cemetery and they claimed it as their own and they went into this old dilapidated, run-down building and they started a church and you know what they named the church in the center of the cemetery? Church of the resurrection. <laughs> Here we are in the middle of a cemetery and we are the church of the resurrection. And Tallywood, if you will receive it, that is exactly who we are. We don't, we don't live in the land of the living. We live in the land of the dying and proclaim the Christ who rose from the dead. And he says in verse 14, will raise us also so that we may be with him together with you forever and all of that is by grace and so if you feel like you're wasting away on the outside this resurrection power is renewing you on the inside I asked one of my friends one time who had been through a lot in her life how are you today and she answered me in one unforgettable word sustained she said and I knew exactly what she meant. That she had been sustained by God's amazing grace. It's grace, we sang, that's brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home more and more grace, Eugene Peterson writes, leads to more and more people 
more and more growth. And I love it that God brings people into this community. I love that God is growing his church. And we had a remarkable last quarter of growth in 2012. And we thank God for that. And I love, but here's the question I want to ask you today. I don't want to ask you, is Tallowood growing? Here's what I want to ask you. Are you, are we growing in God's grace because the more gracious and winsome we become, the more grateful we are for the goodness and grace of God, the more winsome we will be to this community and the more people will want to come in. And I think the world is fed up with the church of the bad news. And maybe you read, and I'm not even going to mention the name of the church, but the church that shows up in the news with Baptist in their name and pickets at the most inopportune times, over the most absurd reasons. And people will ask me, and and I've got relatives who call me from the Midwest and say, is that the kind of Baptist you are? Because we don't want any part of that that kind of Baptist that pickets our soldiers when their bodies are coming home. We don't want any part of that kind of, of, of hate. I saw somebody wearing a belt at a restaurant this week, and it said, I love haters. And I thought, one thing the church cannot be known as, as a place of hate, a place of hatefulness. No, this is a place of grace. This is a place where we have been so captured and captivated by the grace of God that we are on fire, he says, chapter 3, verse 18. We're growing in glory. We're not like Moses coming down from the mountain fading in glory. No, we are those who are looking at Jesus and experiencing his grace so greatly that his glory is literally flowing from our countenances and people see that and they want to come to it. Leonard Ravenhill said, one thing you don't have to advertise is a fire. People will come running to see what's going on when there's a fire. And then he asked, why isn't the church on fire? And Paul says, be on fire with the grace of God for the glory of God. We enter this place by grace. And here's the really good news. We exist as a people for his glory alone. And he says in verse 5, we see that glory. Verse 6, we see that glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. The more you and I look at the face of Jesus Christ, the more that glory becomes, you know people like this, that glory becomes apparent in us as well. And like the moon reflects the light of the sun, you and I look, lights were meant to shine. And so, by the way, were we meant to shine. You are the light of the world. So he says, who is Tallowood? We are the light of the world. We reflect the light of Jesus Christ. The glory in his countenance reflects in our countenances and people who are living in abject darkness, in Stygian darkness, will look and say, now there's light. Let's go there. Let's follow them because they have found light and the light we have found is the light of the glory of our glorious God. And what if, what if you and I said, resolved in 2013, I will live my life for God's glory alone. 
What would that be like? What would it be like to be like Johann Sebastian Bach who signed every piece of his music, S-D-G, Latin for soli deo gloria, English, to God alone be the glory. Oh, I want to sign my life with that. I want to sign this church with that. I want to sign my family with that. I read one of our senators said recently, the most important thing my dad ever taught me is that there are more important things in the world than me. And I would say to you, there is something more important than us and what we want and when we want it. And that that is most important is God and his glory alone. And let me tell you a secret. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him. So can I ask you, is he enough for us? Because if Jesus Christ is not enough for us, no amount of money, no amount of food, no amount of pleasure, no amount of sports, no amount of anything in this world ever will be enough if Jesus' grace and glory are not enough for us. We sat down this week when our, our kids got home from Indiana, our engaged kids, and We'd been waiting, and, and we went to one of our favorite restaurants, and, um, and we sat down after we waited in line with our card for about, I don't know, seven or eight hours, and we went in, and you think parking was hard here today. <laughs> well, and so we, we get in there, and we, and, we, and we finally sit down at the table, and we're just, we're just starting, you know, to eat with the little Melba toast. I'm not telling you where we were, and, um, you know, and... Um, you know, um, the cream cheese with the um, relish, you know, we were there, you know, and, 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 and so we're sitting there and we're just sitting around the table and the newest who's soon going to be member of our family says, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to tell our favorite thing that happened in the last year. And I don't think our family had ever done that before. And so we're all sort of, you know, working on it. And the um, extroverts in the crowd, there are a few of us, um, you know, we were ready, you know. And the other ones were like, I need time. I need time. This is pressure. This is pressure. And so we're just, you know, we're kind of there. And, we, and, and, and I go, this is easy. This is so easy. Your engagement, best thing happened in the last year. And she says, yeah, it can't be our engagement. you got to choose something else. Oh, oh. Well, okay, next to your engagement, what was the best thing? And we were going around, and finally I said, you know, when I went up to Tennessee in the church, let me take that sabbatical, and I walked into Thelma Buchanan's house, and she opened up our family Bible, and the first inscription was 1797, and my ancestor's name, Hezekiah Brooks, was written there, born in 1797, and I read it, and then I read the will of my great-great-great-grandfather, who was a Baptist preacher during the Civil War up in Tennessee. Yeah, okay, okay. Next to your engagement, that was it for me. And then we all told our stories and we ate the bread with the little cinnamon butter. I'm not telling you where we were. And, and we just, and we ate and we, and we sat there and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was my favorite meal in my life because we were all together and we were remembering the best thing and in the end, the Bible tells us someday we're all going to sit down, all of us, 
My, my assistant pastor, Ryan Dennison, said, tell the people on Sunday morning, the people they're sitting with are going to be the same people they're sitting with in heaven someday. And imagine us all sitting around that table and somebody saying, so what was the best thing that ever happened to you in your whole time on earth? And I got my answer. You got your answer? In one word, in one word, I'm going to say, Jesus. He was the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole life. And if you're there, that's going to be your answer too. Jesus is the best thing that happened to us. And let's be a church by his grace and for his glory. And until we get to sit down with him, why don't we just sit down together at his table and he'll provide the meal his body his blood his people more and more grace more and more people more and more glory for our God who gave us the gospel the good news of glorious grace